everybody, and welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friends, Charles. Yes, we are using the plural friends again today because, guys, look, it's no secret that we're talking about The Hunger of the Gods Today by John Gwynn, book two of the Bloodsworn trilogy, but it just wouldn't be a proper discussion of the Bloodsworn trilogy or any John Gwynn material whatsoever here on the show without speaking to legendary booktubers, the Brothers Gwynn. Uh, brothers, welcome. We've got Will and Ed. Welcome to the show, guys. Charles, Dylan, we are ready to talk some fancy with my brother and my friends. <laughs> yeah, we are like, definitely up for that. Yeah, you guys kind of got us beat because, you know, we're lifelong friends, but you guys are family it's you, you one-upped <laughs> yeah. us on that one we, we don't have that <laughs> yeah what's the saying you, you can't choose your family can you but yeah. luckily we get along quite yeah. well sometimes it is pretty incredible that you guys have been able to crank out all these videos together so tell us more about the brothers Gwyn because you guys are doing you guys both have very active goodreads accounts you're reviewing a lot of books and then you have your youtube channel as well yeah, yeah, we clearly have no life, really, do we? We just <laughs> read the whole time, basically. Um, yeah. But yeah, you kind of live on Goodreads, really, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is all good. But I um, mean, I was actually uh, banned from it for a while, and I had my parents were like, "Look, Goodreads is becoming too much. You're spending too much time there. You need, you need two weeks off." Uh, yeah, so in hindsight, in hindsight, that was good, but at the time, it was like the worst <laughs> thing that could have happened to me. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> Upper Gwyn has raised us well. He has made sure that we read fantasy from a very young age. And if we didn't, then we would have to have to leave the house or have no dinner. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty strict house. And if we were in trouble, instead of, you know, being grounded to your room, you'd have like a Robin Hobb book taken off of you, wouldn't yeah. you? Or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he knew how to get to us. Well, that's good. I would have figured being raised by John Gwynn, you'd always be in danger of being attacked by an axe or a sea axe or whatever. So, you know, getting a Robin Hobb book, yeah, spears in the yeah. mix, getting a Robin Hobb book removed, you know, that's terrible. But at least your safety was still secured. <laughs> yeah, I think though at the time I might have taken the axe instead. <laughs> oh my gosh, well, yeah, I mean... We're, we're big fans, obviously, of the YouTube channel. You guys have done a lot of fantastic author interviews as well. Um, fellow Joe Abercrombie Interview Club member here. Oh, yeah. And um, you guys recently did a book ranking as well. I won't get into that too much, but I do have an issue of where you place the trouble with peace. I would have put it way higher up. But, you know, otherwise, it was a very good video. So, guys, definitely check them out if you like what you hear over on this channel. Be sure to check them out on YouTube. Great stuff going on. Thanks, guys. We're very excited to be on Friends Talking Fantasy. We love listening to you guys. And uh, yeah, especially about the first law as well. That was, We've had a lot of good chats with you guys. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have some in the future. But today is all about Papa Gwyn. Today's all about Papa Gwyn. And I noticed, you know, I checked out your Goodreads channels. You both gave Hunger of the Gods five stars, which is good. <laughs> it would have been awkward if it was, you know, three stars or less, you know, you would have had to, then you would have definitely had to reach for this, the CX on that one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, did, we didn't have to get paid this time, really, to give it five stars. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. They're all five I stars. Think you could have given it like two and demanded the Farseer book back. 
until yeah, yeah. <laughs> negotiation. <laughs> like, you know, I would keep that in mind next time. Yeah, <laughs> you get uh, the book is great. It deserves five stars, but I deserve Assassin's Apprentice back on my shelf exactly. <laughs> right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you've got some leverage now that you're in the reviewer community, and I'm sure, and you know, you must have gotten advanced copies, right? So you can get that review out in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we get our exclusive don't we? So we yeah. can threaten him with that. That is time. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make notes. I'm gonna write this down. Nice, nice. And so we're waiting for the author interview, I suppose. <laughs> Is that coming to the channel anytime soon? A little deep dive in the hunger of the gods? I imagine, yeah, I imagine before book three, we might be able to persuade Dad. If we talk to his agent first, maybe we could probably yeah. wrangle him. <laughs> he has you go <laughs> through the agent. Love, That's smart. Yeah, I love you have to yeah. go through the agent to get to your own dad. Yeah, He'll be like, no, I'm busy. And then you just see him on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I haven't got time for that today. And he'll, he'll be getting a paper watching TV. <laughs> well it's a nice little family business you guys have running but let's get into the story because you know we had talked about the shadow of the gods back when it when it came out uh, just about a year ago right and you know we were huge fans um we had sam book in hand on actually for the discussion she's a huge papa Gwyn fan as are we and you know the hunger for the gods I, it, it came by storm you know i gotta hand it off to papa Gwyn. he's done a great job kind of finding his audience and you know we we were eagerly anticipating it but i've seen a lot of praise come in for this book and well deserved obviously um it's coming in very strong but the thing that i appreciated about it the most and something we got to talk about is the very beginning of this book has a book one summary in it and it's masterful like it's one of the best like book like catch the story so far kind of segments i've ever read like um maybe you know i know mark lawrence has done it but it's not that common and so (laughs) have have like what's your opinion on like the story so far and have you encountered that much in in your reading well no i've not really but i remember dad said it was actually quite hard to um Kind of write that opening because it's trying to I fit bet. in. It's like what moments do I actually put in there? Because uh, obviously you have to cut a lot out. You have to keep the main storyline, but also you, you want a bit of a tone and atmosphere so the reader's not just saying, "Oh, this happened, then this happened, then this happened." Uh, so yeah, it, it was, I remember he said he had quite a, quite a bit of fun going through, but um, it was actually harder than his usual kind of streamlined and his writing uh, plan. Yeah, I think we should see much more of it really in epic fantasy anyway. When you've got multi POV. Yeah. Because it's just, you know, there are these sprawling landscapes and these mm. sprawling cast of characters. And, you know, you, if you read a good reads review uh, of an epic fantasy book, it it usually nine times out of ten will mention uh, how it can't remember many of the characters. So I think it's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I love reading books as soon as they come out. I don't have the discipline to wait, basically. And so then <laughs> often at least a year until the next one. And so, yeah, having, the, having that little summary is just, it's a gem, really, at the yeah. beginning of a book, isn't it? Absolutely. And I know that, you know, for me, when I'm, I, I read into every detail, I'm like, is this something I have to remember for the next time, next time, next time? <laughs> so when you lay it out of like, here's this character, they're part of this group, they do this, they do that, um, it is so helpful. And that's kind of what this book does. I think, you know, it's book two of the Bloodsworn trilogy, right? So it's the second. And it really, to me, it really enters epic fantasy territory in a big way coming from the first book you know the first book shadow of the gods had three pov characters and now you're adding two more and we're kind of just expanding we're adding more gods are coming into the mix and all this stuff um 
So it's definitely appreciated. But one of the things we have to talk about at the beginning of of this discussion is that uh, John Gwynn has really kind of cemented himself as like the Norse um, influenced fantasy master. Was this something that you've seen from him your whole life? Has he always been the Norse mythology guy? What's it like growing up with someone who is just like an intense reenactor, super knowledgeable? Um, Has that always been the case? I mean, well, we're a family who absolutely adores history, and that that largely stems from uh, Papa Quinn himself. Uh, and people have read the faith from the fall, and that's kind of Celtic and kind of Roman inspired. Um, and he's always loved kind of Norse mythology and Norse history. Um, but it's really when he's thinking of like, oh, what stories I want to write next, that he thought, I want to go on something a bit of a different theme in history. And then he started his research, absolutely adored it, and uh, we we became Viking reenactors. So he learned a lot there, and he. Uh, he thought he took a lot from what combat was actually like. We weren't quite in the uh, the Adrenaline Rush of fighting for your life, uh, but he, he said he learned a thing or two from it. Um, and it, yeah, it was really from there. We, it's all from the love of history, really. Yeah, I th- obviously, Dad's, of course, a big Tolkien fan as well. So uh, anyone who's read The Hobbit or <laughs> Lord of the Yes, it's happening. It's happening. Dylan hasn't read The Hobbit for anyone who hasn't been uh, paying attention on Twitter. It is now public knowledge. I have read The Lord of the Rings, which is harder to read than The Hobbit, for the record. I'm going to crank The Hobbit. I'm I'm flying to New York. I'm going to crank The Hobbit out just like on that flight. Get this over. Yeah, I'm not going to stretch it out like Charles did with Eliza Locke Lamora because I, I don't need that kind of attention. <laughs> like Charles loves being the villain. I hate it, so I, I can't. I can't take it. So yeah, yeah gotta read the Hobbit. I oh, I will say to to somewhat veer this away from me, but keeping on the Tolkien talk, uh, we got a t- before we'd ever read your dad's work. We did this like book recommendations this is a long time ago at this point book recommendations for fans of the lord of the rings and we did one of those calls out on twitter just to have people chime in and i would say by far the number one recommendation that we got over and over again was the faithful and the fallen series i think which was which was shocking for us as such a modern book like uh, so how do you think that your dad balances these elements of the like classic with gods and all this kind of stuff with a much more modern feeling, uh, I guess, world and series? Yeah, well, I think, as uh, as we said, dad uh, is inspired by Tolkien. He loves all of his works, including The Hobbit, um, but he also loves uh, Gemmel as well. And it's kind of taking yeah. those traditional fantasy elements. And then adding uh, a lot of morally grey characters um, in kind of a, a grittier, more realistic world. Uh, and he wanted to bring that, even though there are gods and we're in a completely fantastical world, he wanted to bring that sense of reality uh, to uh, the the Bloodspawn and the Shadow of the Gods, the Hunger of the Gods. Um, and that's kind of, I think, where the link is, where it's it's got those tr- traditional fantasy elements in terms of the... There is, you can tell there is there is a bad side, but it's not as clear cut yeah. as perhaps some traditional fantasy books. Yeah, and I think the Faith in the Fallen, I think what, what Dad did there was he's got, you know, Lord of the Rings has that kind of homely feel, doesn't it? It's got those tropes that we all kind of, we all know so well, where we feel quite safe with reading it. 
And I think Malice, especially the book one of the Faith and the Fallen, achieves that quite well as well because we've got these tropes and we feel like we know where they're heading. And then for the most part, we do, but then Dad will kind of subvert them later on, adding that kind of new modern take on tropes. Um, where we see with the likes of Joe Crombie, the first law, he has his fellowship and then he will subvert it later on. Where, <laughs> Sorry, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> hasn't read it. I won't go on anymore. But um, but yeah, so I think that's that's what appeals to people. That's a good deflection as well, Dylan. I applaud that. That, that was good. That was good. And then it, I'd it say it's a lot of strength for him to direct the topic yes. off of himself. <laughs> like that's huge. <laughs> yeah. I'm growing. Yeah. Let's get the, well, I don't like the negative attention, you know, it's uh <laughs> That's really tough for me to handle. And, uh, all right. Well, I also want to say that I really appreciate how in this modern fantasy setting, you know, we do have these morally great characters coming from your dad. But he does, I think, I don't want to speak for him, but he seems to, he believes in heroes. And he, I think that that's a really cool thing and something that does differ from our, our beloved Joe Abercrombie books, but helps him establish his own uh, flavor. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it, uh, he like Papa Gwyn likes to take that. Um, there, there are people try. <laughs> I become there are some people trying to do good, uh, but mm. they make a lot of mistakes on the way, and that can have some catastrophic consequences, uh, as we see in the Blood Swan. Uh, but yeah, definitely not quite as far as Jabba Grumby. I think the beauty of multi-POV is you're able to have those, you know, you can have a character who you think is heroic and then you can have the others. They can all take a different spin on it, can't they? And I think Hunger of the Gods, where it's different to Shadow of the Gods, it kind of introduces some characters who you already know as a POV. and yeah. But they're kind of more on the dark side. They're more on the, the very grey side. Um, but you know they always think they're right, don't they? Which is what I really enjoy reading in a in a kind of a villain. Um, exactly. Yeah, especially ones where we're the readers. Also, we're like, oh, I'm not. I'm actually a bit torn here. That they're, they're definitely wrong in some ways, but they actually sound kind of right as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because these new POVs could definitely, I guess, you could say some of them are like the villains, but really everyone's just like in their matter of happenstance in this. And we really like the new characters. Like we have a character named Gudvar that I really enjoyed. His voice just really pops out from amongst the other characters with his internal dialogue and his cursing and all of that. It was like a real interesting um, kind of departure from our original trio from Shadow of the Gods. Yeah. But what makes it like Dylan was saying about believing in heroes, you know, Lord of the Rings is very like good versus evil. Okay. Sauron is a bad guy. He's literally like evil incarnate and depending on how you Frodo's, <laughs> you know, there's, you know, <laughs> everyone's got their own opinions, right? Depends on, you know, but um, uh, in this book, what the, makes you feel like this hero aspect is you have who I would argue is like the main character in all of this um orca and you know she's trying to get her son back which is something we could all be like okay that's a good heroic thing to do yeah. a mom wants to rescue her son whether she's like a absolute like like crazy warrior who just will kill anyone to get to, to her son and this <laughs> and that and she she's got certainly some of her own E, quote evil qualities to her um the fact that she's got this noble pursuit of rescuing her innocent child is what kind of couches the whole thing is like okay this is kind of our good guy that we're rooting for right now and that is like an interest it's an interesting kind of blend of what we're 
typically used to with like morally gray anti-hero type stuff with like why we all fell in love with fantasy in the first place the noble quest kind of thing so that's what i'd say is like a really unique blend in this trilogy and just john gwen as an author is that he's able to kind of create his own hybrid influence style that i really enjoyed and then you add the norse inspired celtic inspired mythology around it it really stands out Totally agree. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, the, the the blend of Norse mythology in there is, is a huge thing. If you've read anything like Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology, or mm-hmm. I'm sure people know about Thor from the MCU movies and Asgard and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Dylan's shaking his never, head. Never heard of Thor. Uh, who? <laughs> Thor you who? said uh, Th- Thor? How do you spell that? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think... and. and one thing that you know dad dad loves history but he also loves mythology that's why he you know he loved the hobbit and there were uh, these influences from actual viking age texts um and the sagas that lots of people reference as well like there was a saga of fafnir um, and sigurd and sigurd was a dragon slayer so that's where kind of tolkien got the the idea of um smaug from that kind of thing Uh, but then dad kind of uses Norse mythology within hunger of the gods it's obviously a very scandinavian world where it's very, you know, the landscape is very bitter and the landscape is literally made from a dead god. You know, the, this mountain range is actually one of the dead gods' skeletons. So, um, yeah, if you played God of War and you've heard of Jormungandr, then you might have encountered something like that. But, you know, another thing, I think you're definitely right, Charles, where you mentioned kind of Orca has that noble quest. But it'd be interesting if Orca wasn't searching for her son, you know, but she was doing yeah. these deeds. Someone would probably think she was you know, a character on the bad side of, of the scale, um, right. which is interesting. So I think that's where Dad kind of takes a departure from the faith in the fallen. And his most noble character is still doing some pretty dark and dastardly things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you just jumped into Orca in The Hunger of the Gods, you might not have as easy a time seeing her as the hero. But because in The Shadow of the Gods, we have this almost origin story of her where it's like she did try to just settle down with her spouse and have a kid and be a good mom and then she had to go full taken but uh liam neeson <laughs> style. yeah I, I think kratos meets liam neeson from taken is a good blend for orca yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the vibe i got I do like that. <laughs> which is scary yeah. by the way it's terrifying <laughs> yeah, she. I mean, she has some really iconic scenes. I think, like as we were reading them, Dad will send us them, uh, like a, a few chapters, a, a batch of chapters, and then we'll read it, and then we'll be hammering his door mm. for more. Uh, <laughs> we, we we read these scenes with Orca, and we were like, they're just so good, and we just want to talk about them all the time, didn't we? Yeah, and it is a di- her her arc is addictive to read because obviously you know we we like action in our stories as well, and when, when Orca's on the page, there is tons of action, which is great. Absolutely. And another interesting element to this is, you know, we already established that you guys are are big into history. I've done a lot of reenactment. I've seen pictures of all of you and like mail and and holding weapons and shields and stuff like that. And it really does translate onto the page. I'd say that's another like cue for certain readers is like if you it's not slice of life, but there's a lot of details in it that you can tell that John Gwynn was very knowledgeable about this way of life. You know, we, we said this in our Shadow of the Gods discussion about how the way he was writing about the shield wall and having to, like, frantically put on your helmet or your gauntlets or something while you're being charged and you're holding the shield and stuff. And in this one, I think we've got where it's like, 
you need to like poke a new hole in the leather strap for your helmet you know all these little details that permeate the story it's um although there's creatures and magic and gods and stuff it is very firmly rooted in reality and a lot of the action is firmly rooted in reality it's very gritty and and to me that was a a huge selling point because things like lord of the rings where the action kind of happens at a higher level and there's yeah. wizards involved and, and stuff where it's like in, in, in hunger of the gods, you're getting a lot of skirmishes after skirmish and they are intense and they are very real. So I really appreciated reading those. It definitely kept the action moving in this book. So fans of action are definitely going to feel at home here. Yeah. I think, I think dad wanted to go for kind of a Beowulf vibe where it's, you know, it's set in an actual real time. It, it feels like it is the Viking age, but mm. these monsters are also very real as well. And there are some, some very nasty monsters, um, especially in Hunger of the Gods, where dad gets to experiment a bit more with that kind of Witcher style monster, I think. Yeah. And uh, everything, it doesn't have to be on one side or the other. They're on their own side. It's about yeah. survival. It's about what's my next meal, basically. Um, and that's why you, you get a lot of quite, in a sense, random encounters where you're not expecting it especially with these uh, monsters and beasts do you, of the world. Do, do you guys have a particular favourite monster you've encountered? Oh, um, um. I mean, I feel like this seems really basic, but I, I love the way that your dad does trolls. I just love when they, <laughs> yeah. they always appear in like these stories, almost like fables, and the trolls have actual like personalities. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that's way up there. I also, Vesley, I feel like is just like a really fun character. I love when your dad end like he does a lot of ending the chapters with like a comment about teeth and that, that always gets <laughs> me cracking up. So yeah, I mean, those two definitely stick out for me. Yeah, she's yeah. the weirdest tooth fairy ever, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. She does have a... You got to be more patient to get the teeth. You can't go in and just <laughs> grab them yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she doesn't uh, learn yeah. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, so we saw a review on the uh, on Goodreads the other day of someone mm-hmm. um, saying, like, like you shouldn't read John Gwynn because he has this fascination with testicles. And obviously, whenever <laughs> you read... <laughs> whenever you read about the trolls you know they have their, 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 their pendulous testicles yeah. flying everywhere but it, it's an <laughs> obstacle that you have to dive under you know so uh but you know there is someone out there who really isn't a fan of dad because of that he, i think they said he has a sick mind or something like that <laughs> that's so funny i mean let's be real your attention would go right there in real life you know he's just portraying it honestly you know it's like yeah. here's the thing you're gonna notice first yeah. <laughs> But you won't see that in Tolkien. Although I have not read The <laughs> Hobbit, I doubt we get any yeah. troll testicles in that one. I think they have appropriately placed loincloth or something. Yeah, yeah. the trolls were clever enough to make some loincloth. But yeah, <laughs> in Dad's books, no, the, the testicles are full on show. Yeah. For I mean, me, I was a big I would fan f- of Leek Reefa. Yeah, I, I don't know if you'd consider them, uh, uh, consider Leek Reefa a monster, but I do. It's the gods to me that create this element of like oh there's these pieces on the chessboard that could move the story in any direction and lick Rifa, to me there's like some of those early scenes where they're underground and she's kind of trying to she's just coming back into her power and authority you know she's just resurrected and this house this is how this book kicks off it's not a spoiler and just immediately the way she like 
brings down the law and the presence that she's able to um, dominate amongst her subordinates and things like that was mm. a lot of fun to read. It reminds me of that classic old school villain that I that I've always loved reading. But there's something slightly different about her. Still kind of monster about her yeah. because you know she's a dragon god so the fact that she's able to walk that line was one of my favorite you know i guess you'd call her a creature (laughs) moments of the book yeah i mean one of my favorite aspects of hunger the gods was the kind of the dynamic between leek and those surrounding her because she's Mm -hmm. still she's just awoken so obviously that recovery not at her full strength and then obviously Mm -hmm. those around her like wow we're actually seeing her in the flesh uh and yeah she definitely she's uh she's got um a very vicious side to her, which is very monster-like, uh, mm. but um, very sharp-witted and very clever as well. Yeah, and the great thing about fantasy is that we can have these gods and they can actually be on the planet with the people and they just feel a little bit different, don't they? And then, mm. um, yeah, and there are some other gods that will come into play. We won't spoil it for others, but mm. uh, hint, hint, there is a huge wolf on the cover. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But there's this scene does not happen, and there is no wolf. That's, uh, right? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's de- that's actually a tooth fairy, and it happens in a different yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, for those listening, that that scene is in the book. There is a big wolf, um, but yeah, no, we we love seeing the dynamic between them, and hopefully in book three there will be uh, some pretty cool showdowns. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I'll say on Lee Grifa, I know I'm with Charles on this. She's the old school villain, but I also uh, something I always appreciate about villains. I think the best villains they have a motivation that makes sense. Like you can get behind what they would like to have accomplished, but their methods that they choose to go about it are just so off base that you can never get behind those and i think like yeah. leek grifa yes sure she wants to rule everything which is part of it but it, the other part of it is she sees a world that she's come into where folks who are tainted who have any drop of god's blood are like at the lower end of a caste system and she sees problems with that of course she goes too far and she's like and now they should be above other people and i should be yeah. above everyone but at the same time, like, you can at least understand why she thinks there's a lot of things wrong with the current world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. She's not a fan of uh, equality, is she? Um, no. She wants a complete reversal. But yeah, yeah. No, so she's got her motivation there. And also, you, you can see that she's angry at her situation. She was locked up for a very long time. And she has certain gods and, and uh, other people to blame as well. So kind of her, her arc is going to be about... Some personal see, vengeance being some thrown personal in there vengeance, as well. but because she has so many, you know, people and tainted at her disposal, then she's going to go probably above and beyond what what probably someone should. Or, or, or could, really, yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. You probably shouldn't go yeah. to the like, It's like Thanos, isn't it? Yeah, he he does <laughs> he does it in such a terrible way. Um, yeah, she even. At one point, I think Charles would appreciate she put on her marketing cap and was like, we need to rebrand Tainted. We need to. (laughs) I forget the word she. You remember that, Charles? I forget the word that she used instead. She's like, you should be called. I can't remember it. But I I definitely thought of you, Charles. (laughs) I do remember that scene. She's like talking to a bunch of like. You know, in this world, there's people that have God blood in them and and they're considered tainted. But, you know, Lick Reefish is 
going through the rebrand of like, you know, we have to control <laughs> the message here. And you have blood of gods in you. That's like the next level, you know. That's not bad. That's like really cool. So I do remember that scene where she's kind of rallying the troops, so to speak. Um, yeah, that was a good moment. <laughs> I don't yeah, think she's wrong either in that case. No, yeah, no, she's just she's just trying to be positive, you know. That's all she wants to do. <laughs> yeah. she's, she, it's all about mindfulness. She's found who she is now, and her purpose is to kind of make her kids feel yeah. feel that part in the world. So, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. She's and actually like, love yourself, love who you are, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Live, love, and laugh. Come on. <laughs> Unless you can't got the drop of God's blood in you. Yeah, exactly, where you cannot laugh um, or laugh. No. <laughs> then you're in a little bit of trouble, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, definitely. So, uh, yeah, so we've got loads of monsters in there. We've also got the kind of historical aspect of actually like different war bands and, you know, they're sailing mm. around. And um, and I, I saw some people might get a little bit confused between the two different bands because there are two war bands on their, on their own, aren't there? You've got the, the Bloodsworn and then you've got um, the Raven Feeders and then you've got the... Battlegrim. The Battlegrim, thank you. Mm-hmm. I was looking at you, Will, thinking. Oh, uh, <laughs> you just looking at me. <laughs> Will was just yeah. conniving away to get his Robin Hood books back. <laughs> He's like, yeah, Fitz isn't there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, what I love is that you mentioned earlier that um, uh, Dylan Charles, where you, you've got a little fable, a little story um, from one of mm. the characters going on about the different animals as well. And I think there's actually one story from that character in each of the books where they talk about some of the yeah. monsters uh, in the world. And yeah. usually they mention cheese as well, which is, which is pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I love how it, it kind of fits that humour, but there's like a didactic message, like something to learn from there as well. Yeah. Uh, and it often comes into play somewhere in the book as well. Yeah, I will say I was, you know, the cheese arc was a real page turner for me. I'm like, <laughs> when you expect to get that cheese, you know, and yeah. um, <laughs> this is one of those fun yeah. little character moments that caught it's me a good side quest. Yeah, it's a good fast yeah. side quest to get the biggest wheel of cheese yeah. you can. Well, I think that he inspired partly by Ed, uh, his love of cheese. <laughs> Uh, and so yeah, so we have a head to thank for that. I think Dad came into the kitchen one time, and I I just took a break from you know playing Skyrim for for a quick quick couple of minutes, and I ran to the fridge and I brought you know a bit of cheese out, and I was just gnawing at it uh, in the packet, and then Dad was wasn't impressed really, but he he obviously thought I could use this. I'll put a note too. down. Yeah, silently <laughs> with a notepad while writing this down. <laughs> Well, yeah. you seem to be influencing some of the more um, unseemly characters. I don't know how that speaks to how your own father sees you, but hey, at least you're in there. It's an honor just to be included. Well, Will inspired yeah, I'll take anything. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're getting to that. <laughs> you can decide which bit, though. Yeah, just kind of frightening, but it, I will say speak... I, he was one of my favorites. He's a charming guy. Guy's got a lot of charisma. He might be atop my who would I grab a beer with from the Hunger of the Gods uh, rankings. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. I think a lot of them, they wouldn't be great uh, drink buddies, would they? But I think Svick, he could. He, he'd make us laugh quite a bit. Cheers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he keeps it real, I would say. <laughs> he tries his best. He's still scary, but, you know. At least he's got a sense of humor about him. Yeah, he, he can hide it for a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, guys, The Hunger of the Gods, um, fantastic 
second book in a trilogy. I find that sometimes when you're writing trilogies, there's a lot of challenges with the second book. I don't know mm-hmm. if Papa Gwen has mentioned this to you at all, but like, has he mentioned like, oh God, the second book slump is real? Is this something that he was trying to, you know, focus on? Like, did, did anything ever come up? Like, how do you think you handled the fact that like, okay, mm-hmm. I've got to get to the third book. The gods are going to clash. What's the process like to yeah. get there? Well, uh, he's mentioned that he, he is wary, like, because obviously there's that, everyone's very aware of what a second book can be. And he's wary when he sets out planning it. Uh, but he, he said, I remember he said he, he tries to forget about that and just think, where should the story go where it's right. developing? Um, and then usually what he does is he thinks of the key events. Um, and then so it's like a timeline for each of the characters when they'll interlink with each other. Um, and then he'll think if he's got enough action in there, enough to keep a story going, then uh, he starts writing. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of with that in mind that he needs enough going on and it needs to also be with the end goal in mind. And it's about just crafting that balance. Yeah, you want it to be fast paced, but you also want it to kind of develop more of the story, don't you? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Hunger of the Gods does a really good job of setting up book three, which is yeah. really, you know, a book two's job, really, isn't it? To, to, to just to set make up the, the culmination, yeah, and the climax in book three feel even better, I think. So, um, uh, yeah, and it, it, it's just moving the pieces on the chessboard into yeah. position for the final stroke, really. And I, I think the ending of Hunger of the Gods. Um, yeah. Really achieved that. I'm trying not my best not right. to do, not to say any spoilers here. But right. 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 Read it, some big yeah. things happen. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. we can say the ending is it's shocking, it's exciting, it's amazing, um, and not give any details as to why that's yeah. the case. But yeah, it, it would yeah. be fair to say that uh, everyone hasn't yet shaken hands and decided to go for a drink with each other. <laughs> not yet, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Right, and. That's a good point because that's something that I believe Jangwin is um, known for as well with his other series. It's like the guy's not afraid to just absolutely devastate you uh, when the time is right. And I think, you know, this is a spoiler free discussion here, but I think he definitely continues that well. And it's something that can be hard to do. I feel like in like the post grim dark world of fantasy, we expect any characters to die at any time, yeah. murdered by anyone, that kind of stuff. But the fact that you're still like Papa Gwyn is still able to gut punch us, and mm. he's not afraid to play certain pieces or plot moments. Um, when you least expect them, you know, because something yeah. could be this huge grand face off at the end of the third book. But he's like, well, this happens now. And you're like, oh, my yeah. God, that is that is going to change the trajectory of book three forever. And, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't yet forgiven um, Papa Gwyn for the way book two has ended. We'll have yeah. to see how book three goes. <laughs> Uh, that's all i'll say on that um no forgiveness yet sorry but um we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll all hang on the third book but yeah yeah, that's what i'll say about when you know that's kind of the the segue i was fishing for asking that question Mm -hmm. about the book two slump because yeah you know i i think we definitely recognize like there's certain moments and cards that i'm not afraid to play even if it kind of changes where you think the story's getting set up. And I, and I think Gwyn has a reputation for that from his other series. And that certainly is very prevalent in this series as well for anyone that's like read Malice and, and is thinking about going into reading these books. I think it's like you got that mm. same 
impactful story moment that you're just not ready for. And it, and it happens yeah, a couple yeah. of times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's with the face and the floor and it's continued to now where Papa Gwyn would say to us just before he's about to write the book, who are your favourite characters? And at first we were really open with him. We told them who they are. Honestly, and then, it's a big thing. Used to be. And then we'd be given the draft and every character we'd named is dead. <laughs> Not quite everyone. A lot of them. And we were just absolutely horrified. But you could get to the point where you could actually see in his mind thinking, okay, you've said this character. Oh, I think I know how they could die. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, this, this is how it's going to happen. So are you uh, saying we, that uh, this is your fault? Is that what we're hearing? <laughs> well, the thing is, this time we tried to avoid it. Well, I was like, Nick Ritter is my favourite person. <laughs> <laughs> really person. But uh, I think that one, I didn't quite fool him that time. Yeah, he's getting cleverer in his, uh, in his days. Unfortunately, he's, he's uh, finding out our our strategy, which yeah. is a big shame to us. But I, I will say that we, yeah, we there was a bit of time when we read the end of book two where we didn't talk to him for a little while because yeah. we were we were really ashamed of how he, he, <laughs> he did a character dirty. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. it was really upsetting for us. But it does feel like no character is safe. That's why. Yeah. Sometimes I do dread reading his books. I'm rereading the Faith from the Fawn at the moment, and I'm still hoping this character doesn't die at the end of book two. <laughs> I just hope it's changed from yeah. the last time I read it. We're going to have to get him to write another <laughs> yeah. version. I do the same <laughs> thing. Yeah. I would like a, like a Disney version of them all, where they all come back to life or something. Right. Yeah. A, a choose-your-own-adventure kind in, of thing, where it's like... In the lives of Lock Lamora, when we, we just reread that, or I reread it, Charles... Uh, this was his first time very recently. He read yeah. the lives of Lock Lamora <laughs> after you. over a decade of <laughs> being encouraged by me and petition. Yeah. And now he still <laughs> has not expressed any interest in reading Red Seas Under Red Skies. It's I'm interested. I'm interested. Follow. But you but, have to read The Hobbit first. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> this is. Yeah, I've lost all my leverage here. But when we we're rereading that, I had a similar reaction where I was. I can't say anything about uh, what happens, but I was definitely hoping a certain character that does die in that. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I had a forty this time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, and then it's upsetting all over again. And I can only imagine. <laughs> When the reread of The Hunger of the Gods comes up, and uh, I won't, uh, you know, shocking moments, I won't say more. But <laughs> yeah, it's shocking. It's yeah, that's, uh, that's and, what everyone needs to know. And, uh, you know, Dad hasn't told us yet what's going to be happening in book three. Like, he doesn't really tell us what happens at the end. He might share mm. a few like, details. Like, he mentioned the kind of alien inspired monsters for book two. Um, mm. they're, they're pretty nasty, aren't they? Um, if you, anyone's seen Alien or Aliens, they're a little oh, yeah. bit like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he doesn't really mention any kind of key moments. He will just ask us maybe what we, you know, what we're interested in seeing happening. And then he sees a way of maybe fitting something that fits with his imagination in there. So we're, we're not sure which characters, whether any will be added or anything like that. Obviously, we, Hunger of the Gods had mm. two new characters. One of them yeah. felt very um, Abercrombie-esque in the way sure. that they, yeah. the things that they think is very different to what they say, and they're a little bit like Jezel, I think, in um, <laughs> which uh, which made me laugh a lot. Um, which or you know even Glockta, what he thinks right. is completely. Different I was thinking think. like a oh, Jezel Glockta blend myself. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah he's because he's scathing like Glockta is, and and, uh, 
but he's kind of just funny. (laughs) I think it's like his cowardice that is so interesting to get in the head of because all the other point of view characters, say what you want about them, but they are all brave, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, including Bjorn, like who's a little more on the, uh, I mean, I don't want to say too much about Bjorn for spoiler reasons too, but I'll say, yeah, something about Goodvar, am I saying that right? I'm Guthvar. Guthvar? Okay, yeah, Yeah. I need to redo that. Your dad does have this, like, pronunciation guide, so that's entirely on me. Guthvar. He is, uh, yeah, he's just so cowardly. He's such a survivalist, which, like, I don't know. It's, in some ways, I don't think I would be like Guthvar, but in some ways, the survivalism (laughs) of him is, like, appeals to me, because I'm like, I think... You know, push comes to shove. This is a scary world. You got to do what you got to do to survive. Yeah, and like temples from Red Country. From like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> temple is a good comparison. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and you compare someone like like Varg, who, you know, no sense, who's just going to charge in there. And yeah. Maybe yeah. that that's not anything like what I would do. So it's oh, fun yeah. to read. Well, I loved it. <laughs> It's also well, kind of like, what is it? Admiral Tully, is it? Who's like, who he oh, knows, like, Corporal just, Tully. Corporal Tully, just like getting in the ranks, not getting too much attention, just trying to stay alive and not work that hard. Also, yeah. that's very important. It's like, why would you want to be that level of the military? Yeah. And you actually have to you work. Target, yeah. You have to yeah. go to war and stuff. This is where yeah. you want to be, right? And this level yeah. of mediocrity is the sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you kind of get those vibes too. Yeah, what I love is that Ed, you mentioned Temple, didn't you? But Temple, he, he he's like he hates that he's a coward, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's oh, trying yeah. to change. But Goodbye. He's like he's not real. He's with like himself. I am a hero, aren't I? <laughs> and then he <laughs> That's true. What I hate, what I hate and love at the same time is how whenever a character is close to killing him, he accidentally kills them. Like he ne- he doesn't even mean to sometimes. Or someone else gets in the way, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to stab you now. While your back is turned, and it's just like no. <laughs> it's so annoying. He just always survives. But um, right. I hope and someone plays to his ego and he's buying it. He's like, okay, I can convince myself of that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there is there is a particular torture scene in uh, around the middle of Hunger of the Gods that I love reading because he went through some extreme trauma. I won't say what, mm. but uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And it's nice seeing you know reading someone that you hate is actually it, getting is some in, recompense. Is yeah. in pain. Yeah, that was good yeah. fun. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to seeing what other characters may be added to uh, to book three. I'm not sure. Do you guys have any preferences? Who would you like to see a POV from? Uh, I'm afraid, in case we... you go and report to Papa Gwyn on me and, <laughs> well, <laughs> and get them murdered. Yeah, I think we both said Brecca. Like, we were yeah. just thinking that would be really interesting to yeah. finally get into his head. And I just think his yeah. book it makes a lot of sense if if he becomes mm. a even more important character um yeah and then Svik, which is just mostly going to be about cheese just it's, it's like fine, the yeah. whole like that can be the side quest <laughs> right well if there's just like a single point of view uh standalone spin-off that's just Svik's point of view throughout the entire trilogy and you think the book is just all about seeking out cheese, like as the main yeah. arc of the entire book. It just so happens that he, the cheese, is in the direction everyone else is going. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, doesn't, she doesn't yeah. have a hoard of gold. She has a hoard of cheese. She has a recipe. For- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think Brecca is the top of the list for me too. Mm. It just seems like, you know, you 
the third book is branching out in a certain way and you're like okay how are these characters like moving on and like continuing to exist in this world it's like it it almost kind of is like in this epic fantasy world what even is like a victory in this world you're you're not quite sure and there's a couple things that we're rooting for obviously but they're few and far between these days so just be curious to see how certain characters kind of get their closure when it seems like yeah there's there's no end in sight for some of these guys Mm. so really excited to see how um John Gwynn kind of wraps all of that up because one of the things I'll say this is one of one of the few last things I want to talk about was the theme of family in a bunch of different ways is very prevalent throughout the story. Obviously, the whole inciting incident is Orca trying to save her son, taken style um, from all these against all these odds of gods and monsters and other warring parties and politics and stuff like that so obviously there's the big family dynamic there and i think that's why orca for a lot of people is like our favorite character because in the beginning of shadow of the gods you know they have this lovely little home they carved out for themselves everything's peaceful not something you necessarily see a lot of in fantasy is usually like with the parent child dynamic the child's the chosen one and has to go off away from the family and do their adventure and the parents are just chilling so it's interesting to see that or flipped. Dead. yeah or dead yeah exactly <laughs> like the classic disney like every like disney kill, even, yeah. kill the parents yeah yeah it's like we don't know how to deal with family and then have a hero at the same time you know the family kind of is too distracting so get them out and focus on the hero and themselves (laughs) but john gwynn very deliberately keeps family in there and all its messy glory sometimes but also in its like sentimental nature too because orc is a character like we said you take out family and what is she she's like a she's basically just like a violence murder war crime war criminal yeah Yeah. (laughs) but you you add family in there and she becomes very endearing so that obviously and then you have other characters as well like um like um elvar Elvar. who has the more found family but then her relationship with her family is like the exact opposite so you you get the whole exploration uh, of themes of family and found family and stuff like that and to, to me it's just like so appreciated because it's like hey look we all have relationships with our family we don't just go on a quest and forget about them kind of a thing there yeah. you still have to like you know like right back to home or, or have yeah. a, a dad out there somewhere <laughs> like so um th- that to me was a huge piece and seeing you know such the such a lovely family unit like yours as well it's no surprise that uh john gwynn puts family above all things <laughs> I don't even think he plans it, really. I think it's just something that is just naturally in his writing. I think, you know, you read yeah. The Faith and Fallen and On Blood and Bone, it's, it is really the main theme. And, and the reason we say truth and courage at the end of our videos is from The Faith and Fallen, but it's kind of a, a motto in our family as well. And, you know, I think, Charles, you, you got it completely right. You've got actual, you know, real-life family with Orca, and then you've got found family with Elvar and Varg. Uh, even like the, the, the characters you don't like as much, like Guthvar, his only family is his aunt and um you know he does lots and lots of things to try and make her feel proud of him so um in his own crazy little way yeah. so um it's just an element I think, well, I was say. yeah it's an element of, of uh, dad's writing that will probably play a part in all of the books he writes it's just a part of him you know he's uh, a, a very good um a, an amazing family member you know we're very lucky <laughs> to have our dad so uh um yeah it's just probably something natural i reckon yeah yeah <laughs> 
I mean, it, 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 it's, um, it's nice to see, you know, I, I've always been fascinated by the, the like nuclear family dynamic in fantasy. It's, it's such like a rare story to be told like Lord of the Rings. None of those characters have family. They're just all their own guys working together. Sure. They become a fellowship, whatever there's brotherly camaraderie and love and all of that. But like, Frodo, you never like we don't know Frodo's parents. Like they don't exist. This is <laughs> fascinating that we've we've come so far. But you know, everyone has a family and can relate to like, you know, being annoyed at their at their parents or something like that. And, and this obviously takes it to a, a the crazy level. But there's a couple <laughs> moments yeah. in here where where family members come together or don't come together that are it's just like to me, one of the more gripping aspects of the story and it's certainly a unique standout thing in fantasy for some reason. Yeah. Mm. Hopefully they don't reach yeah. Elvar levels of annoyed at their family, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah hopefully you're not at way. war with your family. That, yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. suck. <laughs> if you don't see William in the next video, then, uh, you know, <laughs> I've got to fill Elvar. Yeah. You have to ask who inspired Elvar, you know, <laughs> <laughs> We need to find out. He, he also likes cheese, so there you go. There, yeah. Mm. Wow, could be Ed. Could be Ed. <laughs> could be. In the next reason, what kind of cheese was it? Was it like, I mean, in the moment, in the moment of the inspiration when you were playing Skyrim, you went over, you get the cheese, like a polio cheese stick, a string they cheese, were, um, like. I was about 12, 13. That would be my cheddar days. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Those so were the you cheddar like years. Eras? Is this like, <laughs> it's like Taylor Swift <laughs> albums? It's like the yeah, reputation yeah. era. It's like, yeah, you know the cheddar era. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it used to be like my haircuts, but now it's the cheese era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, I guess, you know, the, the Gwyn family history, it's like in that. And that's when Ed entered the Cheddar years. We didn't see much of him for a while. <laughs> yeah. The Cheddar and Skyrim. <laughs> it's like a horror film. You looked at like an old um, photograph book or something. And this is me holding all these different pieces of cheese. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah. The Red Leicester years. <laughs> oh, wow. <sighs> Wait for that's the blue amazing. cheese. <laughs> yeah. I so, will say... Okay, sorry, this is going to be more about no, cheese. Please talk about No, you, you can. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was going to talk cheese. about the green thunder. The green thunder, Charles. Best cheese. <laughs> it's a cheddar. You remember that? When we went to, there's this like speak easy. You'll remember this. Uh, there's I'm this like really speak easy this. place here in Colorado, like oh, a bar. Oh, oh, see, he's the best okay. cheese and it is a cheddar that I've ever had. And it, they call it green thunder. And... <laughs> Charles came here and we had the cheese. Charles, was it life changing or? It what? was excellent. I remember that whole charcuterie experience being like premium. So, <laughs> so Ed and Will, you can come too if you're ever in no, Colorado. No, bet, it's uh, no, Green Thunder on me. Ed might book a ticket right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll be back in a minute. Hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the green there you it, go. it sounds like my strength but i mean we we do need more food in fantasy i reckon i think i always like reading about um you know different types of food I, there was oh i can't remember i read a book recently in fantasy that was mentioning food but i can't remember what it was now usually it's just soup or meat and cheese isn't it but um mm. it reminds yeah, me of like yeah. um mud a lot of like it's always mud. those japanese <laughs> animated the studio ghibli movies like totoro and ah. spirited away and all that their attention to food sometimes is like next level and you really appreciate it where they're like making a soup and like 
making eggs and folding sushi. You're like, oh my god, this looks amazing. Like, <laughs> not too much of that in the in the fantasy mm. world. I, like a lot of food just seems really depressing in fantasy books, you know, mm, or, yeah, or yeah. not mentioned at all. So it's e- yeah, it's either mutton or it's all beige food, isn't it? So, um, <laughs> right, yeah. just a pile of, of goop of some kind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I did just watch Mononoke yesterday for the first time. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did they have a good food scene in that? I can't remember. I was trying oh. to think, but I don't feel like they did. There's just a lot of like, you know, the classic. Spirited Away like, has some good foods. Spirit Away has great food. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. not a hard foot of conversation right. going. <laughs> <laughs> All the death. Most of them. There are... There's hunger, yeah, yeah. wolves, yeah. wolves feature prominently both in The Hunger of the Gods and in Princess Mononoke. And I will say when it comes to food, it's like every second... Like, probably, I'd say 15 to 20 times, there's an animal that really wants to eat the protagonist. It's like, <laughs> uh, it like comes up constantly. So, hunger, relevant. Wolves, relevant. Yeah. I'm going to say I did a good job. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will <laughs> say, yeah, it is nearing lunchtime around us, I guess, across the pond. You're, it's nearing dinner time. So, I guess we're all in that state of mind. <laughs> and then I'll cheese talk. Yeah, all that all that cheese talk, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we've, we've wrapped up book two here. Book three is on the way. Um, I won't think to ask you guys to 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 for any details. But is there like a count, like a release schedule for book three? Do we know anything publicly um, to get people hyped for the conclusion of the Bloodsworn trilogy? Uh, Dad hasn't started writing yet. He will. Um, I, he's just kind of taking his time with it, you mm-hmm. know. Since our um, our sister passed away, he's just mm-hmm. um, just waiting till he's ready. You know, he doesn't want to force writing because mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a, obviously it's a very per- very personal thing to to write as well for Dad for as sure. well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so keep your eyes peeled, guys. It will be out there um, eventually. We, I'm sure you'll see an update on Twitter at some yeah. point in the future as well when um, when it's nearing completion. But Dad's mm-hmm. a, Dad's a quick writer anyway. So, yeah. Um, it, sh- it shouldn't be too too much longer, but he'll do it when yeah. he's ready. And and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get an exclusive scoop um, <laughs> when he starts. And then when it, yeah. when book three is out, guys, we'd love to have you on our channel. We could do maybe a spoiler discussion, and then oh, we won't oh. have to try and all, all held in maybe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, we're trying. We love these spoiler-free episodes for keeping people interested and more mass appeal, all that kind of stuff. But there's something to the deep dive, and there's been a several, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. a couple especially times. with the way yeah, this especially book the ends, ending. Yeah, you guys have a lot to <laughs> right. answer to for the ending, but uh, there, um, <laughs> it's not their responsibility. They don't have to. Take well, they that admitted they had some influence, <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> no, not on purpose, but still. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then we say, Dad, we're like, you've killed this character. Why have you done this, you horrible man? And he'll be like, I didn't do it. I'm, I'm just, just, I'm just telling you what happened. Right. Yeah. It just, like, the story just moves through him. He's just, yeah. uh, what did you say the other day? No, tell you us about your memes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just a conduit for the yeah. story, you know? <laughs> I told Charles to make some memes. He makes these memes that are very good for his personal accounts. He, he got to make 
him for FTF, the FTF Twitter account. <laughs> and he's like, the memes just come to me. Like, I'm a conduit. Yeah. You don't just the make memes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you think this is? This is an artistic yeah. endeavor here. <laughs> so the same way that your dad gets out of responsibility for killing all our favorite characters, Charles gets out yeah, of responsibility yeah. for making memes that the meme. are the meme. mostly yeah. making fun of me at this point. So. <laughs> Yeah, you two have something, something uh, in common then, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, one thing will have in common. I'll take it. I'll take it. I feel very much like Goodvar right now. It's like, yeah, we do have a lot in common, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we, sh- we certainly do. Charles said We're basically as he wiped the same. his nose. <laughs> yeah. We're basically the, the same. just coming down. <laughs> yeah. We'll call Stumble you Charles Vaughn now. That's hilarious. Well, I mean, yeah, guys, we, 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 you know, we can get into all spoiler glory soon and, you know, open invite to always come back onto FTF for any reason. I feel like we've kind of typecasted you guys as our as our John Gwynn experts. But can you blame us? I mean, you have a direct um, <laughs> yeah. line to the guy. So um, we'll let you off that one. Yeah, we appreciate that. But then, we, you know, we've got our first law content over on. Um, your YouTube channel that was a lot of fun, but it's been a, a while now. We definitely got to uh-huh. get something else, um, yeah. get something else cooking soon. But um, yeah, for sure. And you two yeah, were full I'm slim, maybe... shady, peroxide blonde in the in that video, if I'm remembering. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so you got it. Even if you haven't. Yeah, even if there's no interest in the first law content, which first of all, how dare you? But even if you don't have interest in that listener, you've got to head over there just to see them in full slim shady mode. <laughs> Mind you, we did look like that that new that character from the Rings of Power trailer, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did. You did, and that's exciting. That's coming out soon, right? We're only like two months away. Not even. Yeah, not too long. Yeah, yeah. and you did about the Game of Thrones show yeah, right. coming out. So, yeah, we're very spoiled. We need we need a blood sword show, really, don't we? That'd be nice. <gasps> Absolutely, you know, we need something. We could all be extras, couldn't we? There you and, go. Uh, we'll, we'll show Nils up. From... Be good for, isn't he? So... <laughs> yes, <laughs> he definitely at least deserves an audition. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> I could I could act. I could be a leading role in a TV show. Why not? <laughs> I would I say he's quite the lead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting read of the book from Charles, where he was like, "Good far, this is the main character." Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'll say, in the right world, they, so. there's, there's you can throw me in the back of the shield the wall any day. Oh. <laughs> there's something where Nils from the Fantasy Hive was trying to get Henry Cavill to play. Yeah. I can't remember who and. Uh, definitely one of your dad's books. Maybe it was in yeah. like one of the Faithful in the Fallen books. But. Yeah, she was saying that he has to be in the Blood Sword. Yeah, he has to. I, yeah. I think she kept yeah, um, trying to get him to read it. So um, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that was it. Everyone should bombard Henry Cavill with uh, with messages <laughs> to go read the Blood Sword. Who would he play game. though? Who would he play? That's a good question. That is a good question. It's hard. I mean, just in terms of like age, he's too old to be Varg. I mean, yeah. Know, like, How old is he now? He's thirties. I think he's like thirties, early forties, maybe. I don't wow. know. Maybe I don't you could know. age him up. He could play a certain god that makes an appearance. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, maybe Varg's father. But I think a god <laughs> reveal like would be cool because Papa it's like Varg, who is, yeah. Papa, Varg. <laughs> Papa Varg. Yeah, exactly. Papa. I think there's some options. 
<laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm sure he can have his pick. He might want to play uh, Spurt or, or Vesley, even something like that. So, um, <laughs> the voice of uh, CGI voice Vesley. Actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Channel his inner Andy Circus. Oh, but we, we don't to need to. Yeah, just don't offer him Godfar, okay? We need to keep that position open, yeah. just in case. <laughs> if Charles has to audition against Henry, I think he's he's not going to get that role. So. I think he got yeah. it. I believe in you, Charles. I believe in yeah, you. Yeah, they'll go to the like costume fitting, and it'll just be hanging off me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who is it? You guys, I know you guys saw um, The North Man, right? Um, that guy, definitely. I mean, he... Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, Scar's right. Quick, right. Very good. <laughs> he could definitely be. And so you're watching The Northman. That was, have you guys seen it? I've Charles seen it. Has. I'm telling Dylan we have to discuss the movie at some point yeah. on the show because I loved it. And I know you guys were big fans because we, we talked about it a little bit on Twitter. Yeah. But when I read it, that's what I, I was so funny. I was watching, I'm like, this is like made for the Gwyn family. I can't yeah, even believe it. it. Yeah. <laughs> it I loved it. It was, it, it was the closest I've seen anything like Dad's books to actually, you know, on the screen. Um, mm. Obviously, we had the, the show Vikings and the show The Last Kingdom, which are, mm. which are all great. But this uh, this film was really like a reenactor's dream, really. So, um, yeah, it was really sure. cool. And Alexander Skarsgård was, was so cool in it. He was awesome. And I, I didn't even recognize him. He was so buff in that. Like, he got big. I know. Yeah. yeah, it's unfair, really, how huge his arms are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. But yeah, he'd be great. And yeah, I, that like for any fan of, of John Gwynn's work, you got to check out that movie. I think more people need to see it because it was really terrific. Um, yeah. Hey, fan. well, we were saying we got to have you on for things that aren't just John Gwynn related. Maybe yeah. Northman when I finally <laughs> go watch that. That sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah I can put that. Is that streaming yet or what? I know it's not in theaters anymore. We gotta check it out. It, yeah, it's streaming now. Yeah. Is it one of those movies that's probably way better in the theater though? It seems like it. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. probably. But what yeah. movie isn't yeah. better in the theater? You know, it's still gonna be good on your TV. Yeah. Just put the blind yeah, down. Yeah, and all that nice and uh, <laughs> have some mead ready. Yeah. <laughs> Always have my mead ready and some and my, cheese. Yeah. yeah, get a nice cheese, cheese. block. Uh, just what a cheese block and a knife. Now, Ed? Yeah, yeah, just what block. era of so cheese you are you in? So it I is, know what to um, pair with. Well, I found I don't know if it's real, but it's called Mexican cheese, and it's like it looks like Red Leicester, but it's got pepper in and chili and all that kind of stuff. Um, Ooh, I, I, yeah, I, don't, I haven't heard of it before, but I, I had it the other day on a sam- in a sandwich, and I was like, yeah, that's nice. I, <laughs> I just bought some the other day. On the um, wow, we're in the dawn of a new age. This is a good <laughs> yeah, new era. <laughs> I'll let you know what the next time will be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to keep us updated. This is very important. I would do. <laughs> well, guys, we've done it. Uh, the Blood Sworn Saga here, Hunger of the Gods, book two. Highly recommend. Highly recommend the series. Highly recommend John Gwynn's work. Highly recommend the Brothers Gwynn YouTube channel, Goodreach channels, prolific reviewers and, and content creators. So, be sure to check them out. Um, and where Will can they find you on all the internet places, by the way? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can find us as The Brothers Grin on YouTube. Uh, myself, Will, as The Wolf and Crow on Instagram and Twitter, and Ed as Wolf and Armory, or Brother Ed on Twitter. Yeah, I forget what my handle is, but yeah, I, I usually don't. Do you have Will some number, that. like a couple numbers in there or something? I think if it's you got Brother, Brother Ed, Ed I'm very proud of yeah. you. If you got that, <laughs> yeah, no, I had to put 14 in there, I think. Brother Ed okay, was on the table. Brother Ed 14. 
yeah so uh that that is my one but yeah um, feel free to check out our channel on youtube um we've got lots lots of different content up there lots of chats about films and other things like that with other booktubers as well which is a lot smash of that subscribe and, um, button and all that uh, oh absolutely and uh, if you ever want to see tolkien talks i'm sure you'll see some of them on there and i'm sure dylan will be keeping his eyes for maybe a hobbit chat why do you be the hobbit oh yeah, yeah there you I'm go. be the biggest hobbit fanboy after this just yeah <laughs> just to appease you the might, people you yeah. You'd be like, guys, did you? This book is good. <laughs> you should check it out. Yeah. Anyone heard of Dylan? It? Dylan recommends the little-known book, The Hobbit. It's like... yeah. Five stars on Goodreads. Yeah. <laughs> like a full. More, in, more in people should read this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't see enough people talking about this. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Had never heard of it until the last week, but got on it right away once I heard of this this hidden gem. Did you guys from know Lord of the Rings author, had a prequel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's from this little little known author, Junior R. Tolkien. It's Tolkien, uh, <laughs> Rokin, Rokin, Tolkien. There's yeah. a prequel novelization of the. Oh, you'll say there's a novelization oh, yes. of the movie trilogy. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. I thought you really get people's you get attention. Film copy, you? Yeah, you should get the film copy with Bill by one. Yeah. <laughs> Charles said there was some sort of fan cut, like fan edit of the Hobbit movies that's actually supposed to be really good. Did you guys yeah, hear that? It, it oh, the, I've not seen that. It took the three <laughs> movies, edited into one. And that, from oh, what it? people that have seen it have said it's good. So I'll have to figure out which version it actually is and yeah, and take a look at it. But yeah, because I haven't seen them since the theater. So it's been a Oh, time. wow. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're re-watching Lord of the Rings at the moment, aren't we? We've just yeah, finished. Oh, it's, awesome. it's just so good. It's so good. Like, yeah. I mean, I watched The Hobbits first and then All of the Rings, and it's just a whole new league. Yeah, it really is. Right. But, um, it's amazing. Yeah, we're looking forward to The Rings of Power. Should be good, hopefully. Fingers well, crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Expecting the worst, but hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be covered all bases. <laughs> yeah, we're we're open to it, but we're not getting too yeah. excited yeah, exactly. over there either. Yeah, it's yeah. It's always exactly. tough when you're trying to like put something in the world of. A masterpiece you know yeah, yeah. Like those lord of the rings movies and mm-hmm. how well they hold up it's unbelievable yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, mm. uh, yeah there must be so much pressure yeah <laughs> and it, yeah yeah it's, it's lightning in a bottle really those original movies so we'll see if they can recreate it but yeah we'll keep our keep our minds open we'll see how it goes um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> what, what, what we're really holding out for is the film adaptation of *The Blood Sworn* and um, any other of John Gwynn's work. We we need to get yeah. on that. Need it. Pro- Do you have a? Yeah. If you could choose one trilogy to get the adaptation, which one would you choose of your dad's work? Uh, I can see Ed is already super. I mean, um, out. I, um, <laughs> I, I think like, I think Faith and Fauna has a lot of sentimental value of us because we I, mm-hmm. I've grown up with that my entire life. Don't say have but. Little, don't say <laughs> but. <laughs> I think that cinematically, I think the Blood Swan would just look so cool, so cool. I mean, as we mentioned, the landscape of a dead god. I mean, how cool would that look right. on the screen? Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, there's a booktube called Elliot Brooks um, uh, did a um, video saying what could be the next Game of Thrones and was looking at a few different series and she said mm-hmm. um, uh, and she said for like uh, for looks wise how it looked on the screen I think she gave like uh, Shadow of the Gods like 10 wow. out of 10 wow there you go I, I agree I mean like you said just these covers to these books are some of the best in the game already 
just yeah, the sense yeah. of scope and scale and cinematography of the drama of the covers is is mm. first class. Um, and then you have, I would just love to see Orca on the big screen. She's such an interesting character. The fact you have an yeah. older, battle-hardened, female Liam Neeson type, like, yeah, yeah like, <laughs> let's let's see it, you know? I'd be really interested in that. Um, yeah, I think so. Dad writes really cinematically, and, and you know, mm-hmm, that is totally. true for The Frame and the Fall, and as, as I read it, um, mm-hmm. do my reread at the moment, it is, there are so many scenes that feel, like, iconic, and you can... You can see them in your head. I think because Dad's such a film buff, he writes with actually he has to see it in his head first. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, seeing the blood spot on the screen will be amazing. I I have a lot of love for the Faith and Forum because I was reading it at that very impressionable age, and you know those mm-hmm. characters kind of like my family as well. We spoke about them so much. So um, yeah. I would love to see that. I'd love to see maybe all of them if I'm not being all too of them. Yeah. The whole universe. <laughs> the whole that's the, the right whole answer. the whole Gwyniverse. You know, we want. I do. To see I the whole do have a fun fact for you. If you do like um. The Quiddiverse, because I like that. Yeah. If you, if you like the, Has that the been coined before? <laughs> it's a new one. <laughs> That's a new one? You can have that like the Yeah, it's like, you, yeah, well, <laughs> that's like a hasty villain. I'm going to go trademark Ed, that. Not letting Ed talk. <laughs> Sorry, Ed, go on. <laughs> no, you know, go guys, on, you can. You're having such a fun time. So, uh, <laughs> if, uh, if you like the covers for the Blood Swan, if you like mm-hmm. them, then um, the cover artist is also doing a special edition of the Faith and the Fallen very Ooh, soon. Oh. He's doing um, the upgrade. Yeah, he's doing the alternate covers. covers. Yeah, and that will be through Grim Oak Press uh, oh, over there yeah. on in America. So, um, yeah, if you haven't picked up Faith and the Fallen yet, uh, any listeners, um, for you as well, Dylan and Charles, then uh, maybe have yes. a think about that one. That would be really cool. Um, but, yeah, so for the covers, sure. we know they'll be amazing as well. So. I don't yeah. have a physical copy of that, so I'll be on the lookout because I mean these covers are incredible. So I'll have that on the show. Well, we'll be sharing everything as soon as there's any announcements on yeah. it. Oh yeah, yes. I mean I'm sure they're. So I better I'm, I'm gonna have to go make make sure I'm fo- make sure you're followed on, on on Twitter and YouTube just so you don't miss those announcements, guys at home, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then everyone should always tweet Dylan to read the Hobbit. Oh, yeah. Very good point, guys. I agree. <laughs> I was going to be like, I'm going to read it before this episode comes out, but it comes out tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not going to happen. You theoretically could pull it off if you start. It, dedication. <laughs> Andy Serkis read it in 13 hours, didn't he? He so did. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. that was... Uh, Audiobook as well. Yeah. So. so 2x speed on that. And I, I do want to say I did most of The Hunger of the Gods for me. I digested it through audiobook. And uh, mm-hmm. is it Colin Mace that does the yeah, yeah. audiobook? Fantastic. You know, and yeah. it's to get all those Viking Norse pronunciations and um, his Lick Rifa voice is very menacing. I love it. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it's like an excellent audiobook choice as well for those yeah. of you yeah. um, that are mm-hmm. more inclined uh, yeah, he's very good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Colin Mace got a great voice. I wish I had his voice finished. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, the guy's a talent. Um, yeah, and it, fantastic job with this one. So yeah. But oh, uh, guys, thanks so much for having us on the channel. It's been so much fun. Yes, and, uh, it's been yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Thanks we so much for coming you, on. It really has. We always laugh so much, and it's it's, <laughs> it's an absolute blast. And uh, it always goes in a direction I could never have predicted. Yeah, it always gets <laughs> that's always a guarantee. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have any tennis references this time, <laughs> except oh, that last goodness. one. And I, I didn't know if I should say this on the air or not, but I'm I'm going to Wimbledon next year. 
So <gasps> no way. Yeah, we'll have to touch base. I don't know how far you yeah. are from London, but yeah. For sure. Yeah, we can get there easily. Yeah, 100%. Oh, no. oh, there you go. There we go. <laughs> I, I may just hop along for the ride to go book hunting. You guys got mm. a lot of good book editions over there I can't get. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. London's yeah. a great place. We'll, well. We'll, we'll, leave, make it there, <laughs> we'll leave Charles in a bookstore while we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good to me. Well, um, yeah. Again. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we can talk tennis after. Sorry, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. Well, we had an interesting final for the record. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't know. I didn't watch the episode. (laughs) Not, not happening. We can keep it going. I I have no problems. I'm trying to be respectful of the Gwyn's time. I know it's um, they're they're busy people. I mean, I have to blame myself for the tennis references. Now, I did did bring it up. I did say they were early this time, and that had to be rectified. I, I mean, did no sneak a Taylor a good... Swift reference in there. You did? You did. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> One off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, give our best to Papa Gwyn, but tell him he's not yet forgiven. Um, <laughs> and um, guys, Will, Ed, Brothers Gwyn, check them out. Uh, Hunger of the Gods, Shadow of the Gods, check it out. Um, Thank you guys so much for coming on. It's always a blast. I'm sure we'll do something again soon, whether it's uh, over on the Brothers Gwyn or here. Open invite, of course. Always a blast. Just really appreciate you taking the time to to talk with us today. For sure. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, Dylan Charles, it's been so much fun. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having us on. It's been so much fun. Yeah, absolute pleasure. All right, guys. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Dylan agrees. I was trying to give him an opening. Yeah, I, I felt the same. And I was like... <laughs> so Dylan agrees, and uh, we appreciate that, of course. Um, of, uh, it, it, you know, it's obvious. The love is all around here. We can feel it. So thank you all for listening. You guys are the best, too. We appreciate you putting up with all our segues. Um, It's always a blast, and uh, as always, guys, go forth and conquer, friends. Truth and courage. Truth and courage, friends.